Alrighty. I'll just pray and we'll get going. Lord, I thank you for this awesome opportunity to again get back into your word. And Lord, I pray you guide us by your spirit into all truth as you promised. And pray that you'll give us the understanding that we need because we know that spiritual things are only understood as your spirit enables us to understand. So give us an understanding, we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm calling this the Tribulation Explained Part 2, and it's the basis for the Tribulation Continued. And we started last week looking at the scriptural basis for the Tribulation being seven years long and coming after the Church Age, based on Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. And we answered some questions. And I'm wondering if we can answer those questions again today as a bit of a revision. So, what's the main scripture that tells us when the tribulation will occur? Now, for those who were here last week, and it's on that page that I gave you as well, 77's chart. It's Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Now, how long is the tribulation? Yeah, seven years according to verse 27, one week, one week of years, one sevens of years. And when does the tribulation occur? After the church age, yeah, end of the church age. And what does the tribulation have to do with Israel? This is at the start of Daniel chapter 9. It says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and your city. Who's your people? The Israelites. He's talking to Daniel. He's an Israelite. Okay, And your city is Jerusalem. So the whole thing has got to do with Israel and Jerusalem. And what are the main prophecies that must be fulfilled during the seven-year period? The Antichrist has to come in and defile the temple halfway through. So, last time we went into what the whole context of Daniel chapter 9 is. We talked about the whole sabbatical years thing. So basically, Israel was commanded to not just have a day off every seven days, but to have a year off every seven years. And so I'm not going to go through the whole thing now. You can listen to last week's message, but we went through the scriptures. And the context of Daniel chapter 9 is sabbatical years. God condemned Israel to 70 years in captivity because they skipped 70 sabbatical years, 70 years of rest where they shouldn't have sown and reaped their land. And so God said, all right, you're going into captivity. You can go there for seven years to make up for the 70 years but you didn't rest the land. That's the context. And then God says 70 sevens are determined, like 70 more sevens. So for 490 years, the Israelites are in the land, not giving the land its sabbatical yearly rest. So every seven years, a yearly rest. And then in Daniel chapter 9, he's giving them another 490 years of time for Israel. So. Listen to last week's to listen to all the scriptures and background on that. Now, why are we taking the time to go through, like we're going through Revelation, why are we taking the time to stop and define what the tribulation is? Well, there's a lot of confusion around what the tribulation is, when it happens, if it happens. Some people think it's allegorical. Some people think it's already happened. So. I've talked to different people and there's lots of different views around. But I'm going to try and show you today, or to continue to show you, that I believe it's future and we can take it literally. And if we do that, then a lot of other scriptures will just fit into place very nicely. In fact, all the prophetic scriptures will become much easier to understand. This is like one of the key points, this 77's prophecy. It's the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And everything fits around those two main events. 
So remember that all prophecy can be taken and should be taken literally and of course be taken into account the literal meaning behind the symbols. So I'm just going to put up the thing. You've got this on your table or your chairs, whatever. And basically it shows Daniel's 70 weeks. So again, this is a bit of revision from last week. And God told Daniel in Daniel 9, verse 24, that there would be 70 weeks or sevens of years, or 490 years determined or decreed for them. And as you can see, it's split up into the first 69 weeks as a continuous block. So seven weeks and 62 make 69. The seven weeks is there because that's the time period that the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt. And then there was another 62 weeks following straight on from that. So that makes 69 weeks of years, okay? Sabbatical years. So the Jews, as we talked about last week, count in groups of seven. Seven in a week like we do, but also sevens of years. That's how they do it. Like their jubilee was seven sevens of years, every 50 years. So then there's a break. There's the church age in between the end of the 69th week and the start of the 70th week, and we went through that last week. So overall, just so we understand, one week where it says in the New King James or in other versions it will say a seven or period of seven years, it represents a period of seven years based on this idea of resting the land every seven years. So 70 weeks or sevens of weeks, 70 times 7 is 490. Now, what is important here is that in Daniel 9.24, God has promised that the nation of Israel would be his witness to the world for 490 years. And that at the end of that 490 years, Jesus would return and all prophecy would be fulfilled. So we'll read that later. So that's what's going to happen. That's what the verses are saying. In fact, we can probably read that now. Verse 24. 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So at the end of this time period, everything's finished. Jesus has come back and we're into the millennial reign. So what is one of the main purposes for Israel? How has God set up Israel? What's the main purpose? One of the main purposes. I mean, there's a number of purposes for Israel, the Messiah coming and all that kind of thing. But one of the main purposes is that Israel would be God's ambassadors. They would be God's witness. And did you realize that whether Israel obeyed or disobeyed, the nations would still know that God was real, that he was the only true God? And you think, well, how can that be? Well, God predicted exactly what the nation of Israel would do and what he would do in response. So when it came to pass, the nations surrounding Israel understood that that was exactly what God had said would happen if they obeyed. Either God would bless them if they obeyed, or if they disobeyed, God would discipline them. So let's have a look at some of those verses just to get this understanding of one of the main purposes of Israel in God's kingdom. And the first one is Exodus 19.6, talking about Israel. It says, And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So, what do priests do? What's the role of a priest? There's a mediator between God and man. So, Israel as a nation was meant to be the mediator between God and the rest of the world, all the other Gentile nations. Today, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a kingdom of priests. But back then, we went around. It was Israel. So when Israel obeyed, 
God did mighty works through them to show the other nations that he was the only true God. And an example is Exodus 14, verses 3 to 4. It says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, this is as they're leaving the land of Egypt, they are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honour over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So Israel has just been through the Passover, and they've left, they've walked out after the death of all the firstborn, and here they are, stuck in this place on this beach, and behind them is just like a big canyon, and the Egyptian army's there, and the other side of them is the water. And then, as you know, God delivered them. But even when Israel disobeyed, they were still a sign to the nations because everything that God said he would do to them if they disobeyed actually happened. And the nations or Gentiles knew that God was the true God because what he said came to pass. Now, for example, Moses predicted in Deuteronomy 29, verses 24 to 27, talking about Israel's disobedience, he already knew they were disobedient. God revealed that to him, that they're going to captivity and things like this. So he's saying about that, and all the surrounding nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to the land? Why was he so angry? And the answer will be, like the Gentile nations will say, this happened because the people of the land abandoned the covenant that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Instead, they turned away to serve and worship gods they had not known before, gods that were not from the Lord. That is why the Lord's anger has burned against this land, bringing down on every curse recorded in this book. Isn't that amazing? So whether Israel is obedient or disobedient, they are still a sign to all the nations around them. And why? It's because of the witness of the prophets. God's prophets had an international ministry and message. Their message reached beyond the borders of Israel. So keep that in mind. We're going to come back to this in a couple of minutes. So now let's go back to our 77s chart. So remember that according to Daniel 9.24-27 and other scriptures, at the end of the 490 years, Jesus comes back. All prophecy is fulfilled and the Messiah reigns on the earth. So. What does this mean? Is it possible for the last seven years to have been completed yet? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, some of those things have, but some haven't. Some of those things on the list are for the first coming to make reconciliation for iniquity. That's the cross. That's happened. But some of them are second coming. They haven't happened yet. So the last seven years is still future. Because, going back to the first 69 sevens, how do we know that it's already been? Well, we know the exact date, back in 444 BC, when the command was given to rebuild the walls and city of Jerusalem. And we know the exact date when it was completed, that time period was completed, and that was when Jesus rode into the donkey, to the very day. So you can work out the exact number of days, and that's when Jesus came into the donkey. That's the fulfillment from the command to rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be 69 sevens, 483 years, and each year is 360 days, and that was fulfilled perfectly. And I've got a little screenshot for that as well. 69 sevens is 483 years. Our total time period for Israel is 490 years. If you take away the 483, you've got seven left. So there's still seven years to be completed as decreed or determined for Israel. Okay? For Israel. Keep that in mind. So, remember what we talked about just a couple of minutes ago? Israel being God's ambassador, God's witness to the world. But what happened at the end of the 69th week or seven? What happened? What did Israel do? What decision did they make? Jesus revealed himself to the nation of Israel and they all said, yay, and they put palm branches down and they waved and clapped and and whatever. Then, a week later, they crucified him. So as a nation, 
not every single Israelite, but as a nation, they rejected their Messiah when they demanded him to be crucified. Then, exactly 50 days after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost, the church was born, and the Holy Spirit came into and upon people so that they could... What was the main purpose of this? Yes, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, what's happened is that Israel is no longer God's ambassador. They are no longer God's witness to share the light of the truth of salvation to the world. They were, but now they're not. Now the church is. We are living in the church age, and the church has the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we tell people about salvation through Jesus. Now, what's happened was a temporary rejection of the nation of Israel as God's witnesses. God has not forgotten about them. The covenant promises given to Abraham concerning the nation of Israel will still be fulfilled. So that's still intact. However, God's witness to the nations is today through the church. The nation of Israel has no or very little desire to share the gospel with the world. You know that Israel, they are still rejecting their Messiah. On a national level, they are still rejecting Jesus as their Messiah. But despite this, according to his great mercy, God is keeping his promises to Israel. How do we know? What's one thing that happened in 1948? Israel coming back together. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. I will bring them back the second time. The first time was after Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. The second time is after the AD 70 dispersion, and they went all over the world. He's brought them back. He's bringing them back. God also promised that he would green Israel. He would make Israel beautiful again. And guess what? When they moved in there, in the early 20th century, it was just you know swamps and desert and rocks. Now, it's an amazing place. They're growing stuff just about every bit of spare land. It's just an agricultural miracle. There's trees everywhere. So God has not forgotten about Israel. He's keeping his promises. So I want to show you that this temporary rejection is actually in Scripture. It's in Romans chapter 11. So I'm going to put it up. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. So I'm going to read Romans chapter 11, verse 11, and then skip over to verses 25 to 29. So the first one is verse 11. It says, So I ask, have they, Israel, stumbled so as to fall to the utter spiritual ruin irretrievably like forever. By no means, but through their false step and transgression, that is the rejection of the Messiah, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to arouse Israel to see and fear what they have forfeited and so to make them jealous. So Israel as a nation should be looking at the church and going, God's using them. What's, what's happening with us? We should be making them jealous. That's God's logic here. And what this says is that God's rejection for Israel is not forever, nor is it complete. It's not a complete rejection. It's just a rejection of that ministry of being his ambassadors, his witness. They are, and still always will be, the recipients of the promises or covenants given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are only rejected in the sense that they are temporarily disqualified as God's witnesses because of their sin of rejecting the Messiah. But through God blessing the church, Israel become jealous as they see God working in us and not in them. All right, verse 25 in Romans 11. Lest you, the Gentile church, be self-opinionated, wise in your own counsels. I do not want you to miss this hidden truth and mystery. Brethren, a hardening insensibility or blindness has temporarily befallen a part of Israel to last 
until the full number of the ingathering of the Gentiles has come in. So notice that the hardening or blindness is only temporary. There's a temporary blinding or hardness of their heart. And when will it finish? Well, it says until the full number of the ingathering of the Gentiles has come in. And verse 26, And so all Israel, that is all believing Israel, will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant, my agreement with them, Israel, when I shall take away their sins. You see that God has not forgotten Israel. God is going to do a mighty work in that nation. He's going to change their hearts. Just as an aside, God says that one third will come through and two thirds will be destroyed. He's going to refine them. When it says all Israel there, it means all believing Israel. Verse 28 in Romans 11. From the point of view of the gospel, the good news, they, the Jews, at present, are enemies of God which is for your advantage and benefit. Why? Because we get the blessing of being able to be God's ambassadors. If they weren't disobedient, then we wouldn't have this opportunity. So their disobedience is actually a blessing for us. But from the point of view of God's choice of election, of divine selection, they are still the beloved, dear to him, for the sake of their forefathers. Who's their forefathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? So even though they are enemies of the gospel, they are still the beloved nation of God according to the covenant promises given to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And verse 29 in Romans 11, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. So that's really important, that verse there. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It means they don't change. They can't be taken back. He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. He does not change his mind. So once God makes a promise, he is obligated to keep it because that is his eternal nature. God doesn't transfer promises from one person to another, from one group to another. And there's people who say that God has done that, but that's not true. So God has temporarily put Israel aside as his witness to the world, as his ambassador. Does that make sense? From Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, until the rapture, God will use the church. The church will be removed from this earth at the rapture, and God will again use Israel as his witness to bring the nations to repentance and saving faith in him. Now we're going to learn in Revelation chapter 7 that God is going to do a miracle. He's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams, and they're going to go all over the world, and they are going to have this massive revival. There's going to be this huge number of people who are going to come to Christ in the last seven-year period. As I said, Revelation 7 tells us that they will be spectacularly successful. They would do in seven years what they failed to do in their entire history. They were never, ever very good at sharing the good news with the nations around them. They were very jealous and very closed. So, what has happened to the last seven years determined for Israel? The last or 70th week? Well, there's a gap. There's a gap between the end of the 69th week or seven, and the 70th week, or seven years. So on your sheet, you can see it. You can see the end of the 69 sevens and the start of the 70th seven. So in other words, there's 483 years in the first section and then seven years at the end, and the, together they make up 490 years. So right now, we are in the gap. But when Jesus comes back to snatch us up, We'll get our glorified bodies and we'll be with God during the tribulation. We won't go through the tribulation because God is going to use Israel again. It's the time appointed for Israel. 77 is appointed for Israel. 
your people and your city. The temple will be rebuilt, sacrifices will be resumed, all those things. So, here's an analogy that will hopefully help you understand. When I was at university, I was studying biology and chemistry, and the total length of my course was four years. All right? However, I got a job at the end of the first three years, so I paused my degree, and then I worked for eight years, so my degree was unfinished. Then I went back to finish my degree, to finish my last year, my fourth year of my degree. So basically, I had four years of study allocated to me, decreed or determined for me, to finish my degree. I studied biology and chemistry from 1990 until 1992, a total of three years. After three years of study, 1992, I worked for eight years. Then I went back to university and completed the final year of my chemistry degree. So that looks like this, if you can see that. I'm doing this because I'm going to apply this to Daniel chapter 9. I started in 1990, so from 1990. I stopped in 1992, so that's until 1992. That's my first three years. Then there's that gap or that break in my four-year course. And then in 2001, back to university to finish off my fourth year. And when I was finished, I was qualified. So just going through those words again, from, from 1990 indicates the start time of my degree until 1992 describes a stop or a pause after the first three years of study, even though the degree was not complete. After the three years is what happened in that gap, after the end of the third year and before the start of the fourth year. And then there were then, the preposition then, in 2001, back to university for one year, and my degree was restarted and completed. So, now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. So, verse 24 says, 70 weeks, 77s of years are determined for your people and for your holy city. So there's how long their degree is, if you want to call that, okay? Comparing it to my example, they have 490 years determined for them as a nation. Then you see in bold, from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So this is when the clock starts ticking. This is when the 490 years starts. Okay? From. Until Messiah, the Prince. There should be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So here the clock stops ticking. We have the first 69 weeks or sevens. Seven plus 62 is 69. 69 times seven is 483. And as we spoke about before, that's when Jesus came back. It says, until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's, remember the weeks is sevens of years, okay? Sevens of years. As I've written on the board there, 69 times seven is 483 years, and it works out exactly to the day when Jesus rode in on the donkey. And then the next part there, it says, after the 62 weeks. So, the stopwatch has stopped. Someone's pressed stop on the stopwatch. It's stopped at 483 years. And some things happen. During this time, Jesus is crucified, cut off, and the temple is destroyed in AD 70. That's 27 years after Jesus was crucified. And during this time, God's witness is the church. Then the last section there, it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many. So this is the last or the 70th week. It says that he shall confirm a covenant with many for how long? One week. One period of seven years. This is where we get our seven-year tribulation from. And we read later what happens in this 70th week, and it shows that the Antichrist will come and defile the temple, all that kind of stuff. So we'll make it clear that that is the last week of the tribulation in a minute. So the Israel clock has stopped ticking. Okay, God's pressed the stop button on the stopwatch. It's up to 483 years. 
but it stopped. But there's still seven years to go. One day, God is going to press go on the stopwatch, or resume, whatever you want to call that button, and the time will, the clock will start ticking again. We'll get to the end of that 490 years, and Jesus will come back. So, why did the clock stop ticking? Because God is now using who as his witness? The church. We are his ambassadors. Corinthians 5.21 Pentecost. Remember the Feast of Pentecost. After the resurrection, the Holy Spirit came in and upon believers for the purpose of empowering them to be his witnesses. So the church has temporarily replaced Israel, but only as God's witness to the world. God will never leave himself without a witness. It will either be Israel or the church. So since Pentecost and until the rapture, the church is God's witness to the world. We are God's holy people, a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2.9. But when the rapture happens and the church departs, then for the last seven years of world history before Jesus returns, Israel will once again be used by God to be a witness to the world, to share the good news to all who will hear. And this is another reason why it's important to understand that the church will not go through the tribulation. We can't be there because God's going to use Israel. So remember that the Holy Spirit revealed to us in Daniel 9.24 that all prophecy, including the second coming of Christ, will be fulfilled by the end of the 70th week or the end of the 490th year. And obviously it hasn't happened yet. Jesus has not come back. <laughs> we'll know if he comes back, yeah? So we looked at last time at some of the evidence for a gap between the end of the 69th week, that's 483 years, and the start of the 70th week, or the last period of seven years. So what I've got now is a summary of the evidence for there being a gap between the 69th week of Daniel 77's prophecy and the 70th week. So, here we go. There's uh, five or six things here. The first evidence that there's a gap is the language itself. We have from, the starting point, and that is the command to rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. Until, the stopping point was, Messiah the Prince is revealed as the king. After, what happens is in the break or the gap, Jesus is crucified and the temple is destroyed. And that happens like seven days after Jesus is crucified. And then 27 years later, the temple is destroyed. And then, so they got this gap. And then the continuation of the time. The Antichrist will confirm a covenant with the many for one week. Now I'm just going to put up this chart. And I've circled the words here. It says, from the going forth. Until Messiah the Prince. So you might want to circle these on your sheet. And then the next verse in verse 26, after the 62 weeks, Messiah should be cut off and not for himself. And then in verse 27, then, okay, the one who is to come shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So they're your time markers, basically. Okay? So if you circle those, they are your time markers when the time starts. When the time stops, what happens in between, and then when the time starts again. Now, second, the second evidence that there's a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week, well, Romans 11, we went through this before, Romans 11 clearly says that Israel would be blinded to the truth of the Messiah, but only temporarily. It's only until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Romans 11.25, from the New Living Translation this time. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but that will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And this thing about being proud is this doctrine called replacement theology, where the church thinks, oh, Israel, nah, they blew it. We're better than them. And you've got this attitude of we're better than Israel. Who cares about Israel? No, God has not finished with Israel. 
They only are rejected or disqualified from being his ambassadors because of their rejection of him as their Messiah. But Jesus promises to change their hearts, as we read before. And in the meantime, all the covenant promises given to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are still intact. They are still for Israel. They have not been transferred to the church. The church is not spiritual Israel. Israel and the church will always be two different entities. Now, the third evidence that there is a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. Daniel 9.24 says that all prophecy, including the second coming, will be completed or fulfilled by the end of the 70th week. And this only makes sense if the 70th week, this period of seven years, is still future. So, according to Revelation, Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation. It's chapter 19 at the end of the 70th week. So the tribulation is the 70th week described in Daniel 9.27. And I'm just going to put Daniel 9.24 and 27 up. A period of 77 weeks of years has been decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, the millennial kingdom, and to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. Verse 27, the ruler Antichrist will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. One week of years or seven years. So let's look at some of the things that will be accomplished by the end of the 490 years. Now, I borrowed from David Guzik's commentary for this. So I give him the the credit that it's due. So to finish the transgression or to finish their rebellion, this says that Transgression itself will be finished. Taken literally, this means establishing an entirely new order on earth with an end to man's rebellion against God. The accumulation of appointed years will witness the conclusion of man's transgression or rebellion against God. A development most naturally entered into with the establishment of an entirely new order on earth. This seems to require nothing less than the inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. The millennial reign. Okay, So mankind is in rebellion against God with his government that is wicked, but God is going to come back, Jesus will come back, and he will reign on the earth, and then the end of that rebellion. Another one there is to bring an everlasting righteousness. So you might think that, well, there's some righteous people who are, you know, those who are saved are everlastingly righteous. But this is not talking about individuals taking the statement at face value, this means a new order of society brought in by the Messiah. And to seal up vision and prophecy, and this speaks both of the ending and fulfillment of prophecy, concluding the final stage of human history and culminating with the reign of the Son of God. So again, these things haven't happened, so the 70th week is still future. It's not the end of the 490 years yet, the 77s. In the meantime, we are in the Church age. Now, the fourth evidence that there is a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. Well, there are two events listed in Daniel 9.26, the crucifixion and the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened after the end of the 69th week and before the start of the 70th week. So the destruction of the temple by the Romans occurred in AD 70. That's 27 years after the end of Daniel's 69th week. So the only way this makes sense if there is a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week. Because if it was continuous, the temple was destroyed after the end of the 490 years. Does that make sense? If so, I'll say that again. If the time clock didn't stop and the time clock kept ticking like some people believe, it would have finished seven years after Jesus was crucified or Jesus came in the donkey. But the events that happened in between, they happened 27 years after, so it's not possible. I'll put that up for you. Yeah, Daniel 9.26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off and not for himself, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with the flood. And look at this last line in verse 26. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now what's happened to the people of Israel? For 2,000 years, they've been scattered, persecuted, put down, run out of places. You know, they've had a hard time. And that's exactly what it says here. The end of it, 
So be with the flood. The Romans came in, it was a war, okay? That's the flood is metaphorical for a war. Soldiers flooding in. Until the end, okay? Different versions say until the end, desolations are determined. Not just the end of the war, but to the end, desolations are determined for Israel. Now, the fifth evidence that there is a gap between the 69th week and the 70th week is that the events in Daniel 9.27, the 70th week, are still future. So the logic here is that since the events which take place during the 70th week are still future, it means that the 70th week is also still future. Does that make sense? Can't have happened yet. So let's look at those events. Daniel 9.27 The ruler Antichrist will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. That is one week of years or seven years. But after half this time, three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So, this has not happened yet. There's never been an evil leader who has made a covenant with Israel and the many for seven years, allowing them to rebuild the temple and then breaking his promise halfway through the seven-year period, three and a half years into it. There's been people in the past going to the temple and desecrated, but not like this. Not proclaiming themselves to be God. So Revelation describes how it's going to play out. And one thing we need to look at here is that both Jesus and Paul say that this is future. So Matthew 24, 15 and 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. So I'll put those up for you as well. So I'm going to read Matthew 24, 15 to 22. Therefore, when you see the, what is it? The abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet. So when you see, okay, he's talking to the Jews and he's telling them that this is an event that is still yet to happen. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And skipping down to verse 21, it says, For then there will be what? Great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world unto this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, now in that case, here it's Israel, or the believers during the tribulation, those days would be shortened. And now Paul, writing in AD 52, he wrote Second Thessalonians in AD 52, he said, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come, the tribulation, unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Has not happened yet. No one's done that yet. Okay, This is yet to happen. So basically, Paul is saying the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition or destruction, a.k.a. Antichrist, will sit in the temple of God and claim to be God. And that is the abomination that causes desecration. It's a technical Jewish phrase. It's only happened a couple of times in history, and it means to desecrate the holy of holies. So that will be the ultimate desecration, where the Roman it says in verse 27 in Daniel, it's the Roman prince. It's the Roman prince. Going back, You have to go back to where it says in verse 26, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the temple. Who were they? They were the Romans. So the prince who is to come will be a Roman. So all this to point out that this prophecy the abomination of desolation predicted by Daniel, Jesus, and Paul hasn't happened yet. The tribulation, the last week or seven-year period of Daniel 9.27, has to be future. So, as I said, Paul wrote First Thessalonians around AD 52, and no one since that time has fulfilled this prophecy. 
So what has to happen for this to be fulfilled? Well, the Jews need to come and become a nation again. Well, tick, that's happened, yeah? Then the temple needs to be rebuilt. Well, that's not going to happen in our time. That's not going to happen until the Antichrist is revealed and he'll sign the covenant with the many. Okay? It says in Revelation that the temple will be rebuilt because he's going to stop the sacrifices. He can't stop the sacrifices if there's no temple to have sacrifices in. So, I hope this is making a bit of sense to you. It might be new to some people. But I'm just going through taking the scriptures literally as I believe the scriptures should be taken. So the rebuilding of the temple, and it's interesting because the actual location of the temple is not the Dome of the Rock, it's actually next door. And there's enough room to build the inner court of the temple, which has the court of the priests, the court of the men, the court of the women, but not the court of the Gentiles. And it says in Revelation, do not measure the court of the Gentiles because that's given over to the Gentiles, because the Dome of the Rock will be there. So you can go there yourself and measure that. Draw a line east-west from the uh, eastern gate, and you can get the midline, and you can work out the, there's enough room. So, both Jesus and Paul present this abomination of desolation as being yet future. The abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist goes into the temple, sacrifices a pig, and proclaims himself to be God. And this has not yet happened. There was a guy called Antiochus, Epiphanes, back in the Old Testament. And that was similar, but that was a type of the real Antichrist, but it's not the actual event. So Daniel 9.27 is like a summary of what the Antichrist does and what his end will be, with Revelation giving extra detail. So here's a summary of the evidence that there's a gap between Daniel's 69th week and the 70th week. One, the language used in the text, from, until, after, and then. From the command, until Messiah the Prince. After that, there will be those two events happening, the destruction of the temple, and then the covenant for one week, one period of seven years. The second one is Israel will be restored to their position of being God's ambassadors. The blindness of Israel and their rejection is neither complete nor permanent. Three, all prophecy must be completed by the end of the 70th week, according to Daniel 9, uh, 24. 77 is a determined for your people to bring an end to, and it goes through those six things. Four, the crucifixion and destruction of the temple by the Romans both occur between the end of the 69th week and the start of the 70th week. Well, it's 27 years later, so it can't be a continuous 490 years. And five, the events in Daniel 9.27, the 70th week, or last seven years, are still future because the event that happens there, the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist, hasn't happened yet. So, I've got a quiz for you to finish off. Who's up for a quiz? All right, first question. How long is a week, or seven, in the context of Daniel 9? Seven years. And again, I didn't go all the way back and show it again because I did it all last week. So listen to last week's thing and it was pretty clear that it's years. Second, what was one of the main purposes of the nation of Israel? To be an ambassador or witness? To be a light to the Gentiles? Three, in what way has God rejected the nation of Israel? Is temporary and is it a complete rejection? No, it's just their role as his ambassador. The covenant promises are still theirs. He's actually doing it right now. He's giving them the land. Okay, that's one of the covenant promises to receive that land. And there's other promises too. Four, next question. How long will God reject the nation of Israel for being his ambassadors, his witness to the world? until the rapture, church goes up, and after the rapture happens, soon after the tribulation starts, and God again will start to use the nation of Israel. They'll become his witnesses again. And five, the last one, according to Revelation 7, 
what is one of the reasons why the church will not go through the tribulation, but will instead be raptured before the tribulation? So here is some verses from Revelation 7. So I'm going to read just, uh, uh, not the whole chapter, we'll go into it in more detail later, but this will give you a clue as to Israel's role in the seven-year tribulation period as ambassadors of Christ. So I'm going to start with verse 4b, 9 and 10, and 13 to 14, all in chapter 7. So, verse 4. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So, who were these evangelists? Israelites. And then it goes on, I've, I've skipped the verses on the screen, but it's 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12, and it goes through each of the 12 tribes. Verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. Now, it can number 200 million. Revelation numbers 200 million horsemen and things like that. But it can't number this many people. So it shows that I believe this is more than 200 million people. Where are they? After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then going on to verse 13. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? This multitude that can't be counted. And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These guys were martyred for their faith. These are the ones who come out in the Great Tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They had their sins forgiven when they came to Christ. They were saved. So, the original question was, according to Revelation 7, what is one of the reasons why the church will not go through the Tribulation but will instead be raptured before the Tribulation? Well, Israel is the ambassador. Yeah. The church is not mentioned. Nothing about the church. And it's clear that Israel has been reinstated as God's ambassadors, fulfilling Daniel 9.27. It's the last seven years determined for Israel. So again, remember that the 144,000 Jewish evangelists will have a spectacularly successful ministry with a multitude that cannot be counted believing during the seven-year tribulation period. Question 6. Has God transferred all the covenant promises that he gave to Israel to the church? So those covenant promises include the land, many descendants, a great nation, victorious over their enemies, being a blessing to the whole world, and being the nation from whom the Messiah would come. That's some of those covenant promises. Have those promises been given to the church? They're not transferable and they're not revocable. That's what Romans chapter 11 was saying, yeah? Well done. So, no, all these promises, all these covenant promises are yet to be completely fulfilled. They've been partially fulfilled in the history of Israel, but not fully fulfilled. Their full fulfillment will come in the millennial kingdom. And there's many passages in the Old Testament which point to the future glory of Israel when Jesus comes back. When Jesus rules and reigns on the earth, he sets up the temple, there's going to be sacrifices again. It's not the tribulation, this is the millennial reign. You can read Ezekiel for that. So question seven. There are those who believe that God has already done with Israel completely. What is this dangerous and incorrect doctrine called? Replacement theology, yeah, okay. And later on, we're going to learn how these false beliefs that started in the church have actually caused anti-Semitism to become rampant. It all started in the church. All right, question eight. Do those who believe in replacement theology interpret prophecy using a literal or an allegorical or figurative method of interpretation? Yeah, it's allegorical. Okay, So literal means that you take it as it's written, like we were doing today. It's from, until, after, then. 
It's just use logic, use a literal interpretation. Use the scripture to interpret scripture. The other way of doing it is to use an allegorical or figurative method of interpretation of scripture. And we'll get into that more later. So, next week, I'm going to give you a chapter-by-chapter overview of the entire seven-year tribulation, starting in chapter 6, and we'll show you how to read the book of Revelation before we continue verse-by-verse. So, after next week, we're going to get back into verse-by-verse study. But next week, I'm going to show you which chapters are chronological, push the story forward, and which chapters are explanations or vignettes. They explain who the main players are. They explain all the different things you need to know to understand the main events, the main organizations, where they came from and how they fit to the story. And they draw from other parts of the Bible. So once we get that framework, that background, then when we start going verse by verse, all the pieces will start to fit real easy. That's next week. So in the meantime, I encourage you to read the entire book. It'd take you about an hour, but become familiar with it. Get the overall feel of it. You might understand everything at the start, but it's okay. And I want to just finish with a verse from Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. It says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So, listen, in the spiritual realm, anything worthwhile only comes by persistence. We need to be persistent in prayer. We need to be persistent in our in everything we do. Okay. We have to keep on going. So, a correct and literal understanding of prophecy will open your eyes to God's great master plan and allow you to see just how great God is. Like, He speaks things before they happen. And every little detail has come to pass and will come to pass. It will give you confidence as you look around the world, and instead of seeing confusion, you'll see, ah, God said that would happen. All right? Remember that Revelation was written to give hope to people who were suffering intense persecution by the Roman Empire. John wrote Revelation, and it brought great comfort to the people who were undergoing suffering at that time. Why? Because the book of Revelation and prophecy in general gives us a clearer vision of who Jesus is and what our purpose in life is. So my thing here is study hard. Make the effort to understand. It might be hard to understand some of these things. It might be new. But if you persevere, God will reward you with understanding. Okay? God is expecting you, if you really want to know, you've got to read it for yourself. You've got to listen to the sermon again or look, listen to other things on it with a similar literal perspective, okay? Now, I thought I had it all figured out, like this, you know, Daniel Revelation, until I came to teach it. And I realized that there's still a whole lot, or there was a whole lot I didn't know, and there's still a whole lot I don't know. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey of learning more and understanding more, but I've been really blessed as I've been putting the hours and hours into study and, and learning and Listening and reading different commentaries and listening to different people's teaching on the pre-tribulation rapture point of view. I like this because it fits scripture. I was talking to someone at um, Carrie Perth last week. She said, I went to lots of different churches growing up and they all taught a different view on Revelation, on the end times. And so I just put all those things aside. And I just went back to the Bible and read what the Bible said, and I came up with the pre-trib rapture view. Because if you take it literally, it's what it says. And the greatest thing or reward from learning about prophecy is not just so you can be smart, it's you're learning about Jesus. Hebrews 10, 4-7. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I, Jesus, said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the 
scriptures. Okay? So the scriptures are all about Jesus. And if we study prophecy with that in mind, with that goal to learn more about Jesus, not just to know what's going to happen with the Antichrist and stuff, but to know more about Jesus, it's a real blessing. It's not about being intellectual. It's about learning more about Jesus, about who he is, what he's doing, and why he's doing it. And it brings great joy. So persevere, persist in your study. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to do that. Lord, you will help us to persevere and persist. Lord, the things that we don't understand, we can literally continue to ask you to give us understanding as we continue to read the scriptures and continue to find resources that will help us to understand, to just keep rereading things and listening to things. And I know I've listened to some messages three or four times before I've really got it down and, and understand what they're trying to say. So I just pray that you'll help us, Father, as we dig in, not just prophecy, but all your word, to really dig in and find you in the scriptures, because the scriptures are talking about you, whether it be prophetic or whether it be about who you are and your ministry on the cross for us. There's always more to be revealed. So help us to enjoy that and help us to persevere. And I pray you'll give us an understanding, that reward at the end of our efforts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.